What else might change when we kind of go, quote unquote, back to normal? I think everything does. I think we're going to think a lot more about the importance of community. I think we're going to see our students far less as individual cogs in our big machine of what we call band or orchestra or choir or modern band or whatever it is that we're teaching and more as individuals that we need to connect with first and then we make music together because that's what our students are telling us. That's Phil Edelman, an assistant professor of music education at UMaine, talking about a pilot program he helped create. And this is the Maine Question Podcast from the University of Maine. I'm your host, Ryan Lisnett. Today's story is one of those necessity is the mother of invention sort of tales. Edelman teaches UMaine music education students how to teach music to young people. For individual lessons, that of course involves close interactions in the same room. How many of us took piano lessons as a kid with a teacher sitting by our side or watching over our shoulders? Well, when you can't be in the same room or even in the same building as the student, how do you show them how to play the drums or the trumpet or any other instrument for that matter? Like most things in our lives these days, the pandemic has turned the world of teaching upside down. So Phil and a colleague, Cheyenne Priest, who directs the music program at Leonard Middle School in Old Town, got together and created a pilot program that, you guessed it, took the whole process online. You made music education students meet on a regular basis with middle school students and provide one-on-one lessons. Sure, some key parts of the process of teaching music aren't available right now, like a student and teacher playing a piece of music together. But as you heard Phil at the beginning of this episode, the program has led to some interesting developments that will likely be part of the world of music education long after the pandemic has ended. Thanks so much for taking the time to talk to us. I know it's a, it's a crazy time. Nothing seems normal, but be that as it may, we appreciate you visiting with us. Sure, it's my pleasure. So it's hard to think of a profession that has been more affected by the pandemic than teaching, and in particular, the teaching of music. How have you seen things change with, uh, with everything that's going on right now? Boy, we're doing a lot more focusing on fundamentals um, in the public schools. Uh, a lot of the teachers are asking their students to record videos and send them in. They're recording videos for their students. They've had to learn new technologies like Flipgrid, Google Hangouts, and Zoom, and everything else. And then you have the added challenge of how do you do music at a distance in a, in a modality when we're used to doing music together and everyone can be literally on the same page. That's pretty difficult nowadays. So you're seeing a lot more uh, individual and small group assessment. And these teachers, they're my heroes. They're really going above and beyond, learning all the new stuff they need to learn, trying to reach every single student they can. It's definitely been a challenge, but it's been pretty inspiring to see how they deal with it. Can you talk about the pilot program you helped create? What was its genesis and, and how's it going? Sure. Um, So here at the university, I get to teach in the fall, I get to teach two separate groups of music education students. I get to teach sophomores in their Introduction to Music Education course, and I get to teach uh, seniors generally in the semester before they student teach in their sort of last big course before that happens. As part of those course experiences in the past, they've had teaching experience. The seniors have taught our lab band where all the music education majors get together and play new instruments to them. So, you know, if you're a bassoonist, maybe you're playing a tuba in there, or if you're a percussionist, maybe you're playing flute. So they get the chance of having to look at a score, prepare the score, 
work with our students, make sure they're showing them the right fingerings or slide positions or whatever. And we just can't do that this year. And so as I was lamenting that one day with my good friend Cheyenne Priest, who teaches at Leonard Middle School, I thought, well, you can't teach your students in person. My students can't teach each other in person. Is there any possible way that I could put my students to work teaching your students so your students get live music feedback and my students get some teaching experience? And she was all in from day one. She has been incredibly gracious. Uh, she's been willing to let me sort of uh, take chances and do unexpected and unforecasted assignments with my students, um, which then translate to her students. She's been great and she's allowed our students to come in and teach her students. And it's been really a great experience for all of us. How are you seeing things progress? Are students on both sides making progress like you'd normally like to see? You know what? It's even better than what I would normally like. So my students individually now have been filling out these reflection forms online after each of their lessons. And so we're able to see if there's a pattern emerging. Like, you know, this student always seems to struggle with teaching rhythm or another student seems to struggle with forecasting the problems that their student might have. And we can go back and, you know, Cheyenne gets every single one of these reflections, as do I, and we respond to all of them. And so, you know, she's able to give my students the perspective of what she knows about those students. So she can say to my, my college student, your student is having trouble probably because X, Y, or Z. You know, last year they struggled with this, or I know this about their home life, or have you thought about trying it this other way? Whereas I can talk to them and say, oh, it looks to me like you're really having trouble teaching this one concept. Let's look at how we might approach that a little bit differently, or this is what the research says about it, or this is another way that you might want to approach teaching rhythm with a middle schooler that maybe you wouldn't have thought of before. So they're getting feedback not only from me, who they're probably tired of hearing from by now anyway, but also from a real in-service teacher who they love and respect. So it's been really great. How unique is a program like this or are music education programs across the country adapting in this way? I'm sure there are plenty that are adapting like this, but I don't know of a single one that's doing what we're doing. Is there anything that can replace that tactile experience that you get from being in a room with a student, seeing how they hold and use the instrument and making all the little adjustments that you make when you're in a room with someone? Not exactly. I mean, we're doing the best we can, but there really is no substitute for an in-person, you know, teaching internship experience. So, you know, while we're doing the best we can, it is difficult, you know. If you have a flute that's two and a half feet long and you're sitting really close to your computer, it's difficult for the person on the other side to see what you're doing with your hands. So, you know, there's been a lot of hit and miss with this and a lot of new vocabulary that we've had to sort of invent as we go along. But um, no, there's no substitute for sitting there with a student and helping them through an issue. But we're doing the best we can. So if you have an individual lesson going on, I imagine some of the benefit that the student gets out of it is that they hear the teacher play and you can accompany the student and you model great playing for the student. What, what's lost? Can you accompany a student in this way or is that lost right now? That's lost right now. I mean, it's, it's technological, right? There's a lag between when my, you know, a student on side A of the computer plays it 
and student on side B of the computer hears it. So we, we generally discourage trying to play at the same time right now. We're encouraging a lot of modeling. So listen to me do this thing that you're having trouble with. Now you try it. Or, you know, can you play that thing for me and then I'll give you some feedback on it. It's that sort of thing now. It's very little playing at the same time or trying to do things together. There's that old saying that you never want to waste a good crisis, and that certainly applies in this situation. What, what good might come out of this shift? Are there any permanent positive changes we might see moving forward? You know, with my students at the college, one of the things that I've been really impressed with is that they're thinking a lot about this, the students they're teaching as human beings and not just as sort of music factories, which, you know, for better or worse, was sort of the way we did it before, where, you know, if the sound isn't right, you know, make sure that they're checking this, and then we check that, and then we look at their fingers, and then we do whatever. And now, you know, a lot of their reflections seem to indicate, you know, we got through lesson four, lesson five in the book, but also I noticed that the student was really struggling emotionally today, or I noticed that my student really wanted to just sit and talk a little bit today. Is that okay? How can I do that with my students? Um, do you just want me to be playing with them or can I get to know them a little bit too? Which isn't really a conversation that we had had with them before too much. So I'm really thrilled about that. I hope that that sticks. How have the university students handled all of this? They have emotional issues going on as well, I'm sure, through all of this. So how are they doing? Our students are rock stars. I mean, they are incredible. They're putting up with, you know, changes here within our building that are, you know, unique and a little bit crazy for music education itself and we're all teaching and learning behind computer screens and they're stressed and tired and they still show up to their lessons with their students and they are just absolute rocks for their students for their middle school students and uh, I'm hearing it from Cheyenne at the middle school I'm hearing it from the students that I run into at the grocery store you know this is what they look forward to every day they know that they're getting their lesson on that Thursday they're excited and so my students, whatever's going on in their lives at that moment, they have really done a good job of putting it to the side and just being there as the teacher for their middle school student. It's been great. So much of the experience of playing music is doing it together, of course, in a band or a chorus or even a, a quartet. There's nothing that can replace that really, is there? Are there any technological innovations that might make it reasonably close or a reasonable facsimile of that? There are post-production things that we can do right now where you take, you know, your 50 students each create one video each of this piece and then you sort of mix them together and create, you know, these grid videos that you're seeing on YouTube all over the place now. The problem with that is it takes a lot of time. So I don't know a single music teacher in the field right now who's, you know, thinking to themselves, you know, I really could use one more thing to put on my plate. You know, they're just so busy. It, and it's impractical for most of them. And the product itself doesn't seem to make all that much of a difference to the student. You know, it, even though they're creating their video that gets sort of plugged into this big grid video that, that gets produced at some point, very few of them are, getting, are, are seeing that as a fair substitution for sitting in that room with their 49 colleagues that are all playing the same thing at the same time. So even though we have sort of post-production products that look like it, it's not really the same thing. So pandemic aside, maybe you could just talk a little bit about the School of Performing Arts and how you approach the development of music educators. We are 
very heavy into practical music education. So while I love and respect my colleagues who spend semesters and semesters on things like philosophies of music education and praxialism versus aestheticism, while our students do learn that, I'm also really interested in making sure that they can, you know, use budgeting software when they're out in the field, create, you know, spreadsheets so they can keep track of instruments or choir robes or whatever it is that they have to do. And they're not just music making machines when they get out there, but they're also thinking about how do I effectively run a program? How do I effectively communicate with parents and administrators? All that sort of thing. So we take a little bit more of a practical approach to music education than a lot of our colleagues do, which is fine. And so we find that our music education students tend to be a little bit more uh, grounded when they leave here. They, they know what they're walking into. They've had practice with the sort of day-to-day -day stuff that they'll be doing. And while we all want to get to conduct, you know, Mahler 5 or The Last Testament of Freedom with our choir, you know, the, the, the practical first job that these students are going to get is not that. So we're preparing them for practical outcomes, not necessarily the pie in the sky stuff, even though they're learning that as well. If you look across the state of Maine, I don't know if you have any numbers or metrics about this, but I imagine there's not many school districts in the state that don't have a, a UMaine grad in terms of music education involved with their program. Is that fair to say? I think that's pretty fair to say. There's really only a few teacher preparation programs in our state I'm proud to say that our students are a pretty high percentage of the practicing music teachers out there. Let's look into the future a little bit. Once we get past this pandemic, which we all hope is going to be very soon, talk about innovation or what music education might look like in the coming years. What, what's going to stick? What's going to stay and be added to what you've been doing all along, you think? You know, if a year ago you had said to me, hey, Phil, I think that your students would be really happy teaching individual lessons through a computer screen, I would have thought you were nuts. I also am not sure I would have thought they would have gotten too much out of it. That's definitely staying. I'm going to fight like heck to make sure that our students keep having the opportunity to teach, you know, middle school, high school students, even over Zoom, and refine their teaching language and their teaching skills because it's a win-win for everybody. You know, our students get to practice their teaching behaviors and the students in the field who may not have had parents who could afford lessons or time to schlep back and forth between, you know, here and where their lesson was and then back home. This is a practical thing that we can do for them where they just have to be in front of their computer for a half hour and they get to work with someone who's an expert on their instrument or voice or whatever they're doing and that expert gets to practice their own teaching behaviors. I'd like to see that stay. What else might change when we kind of go quote unquote back to normal? I think everything does. I think we're gonna think a lot more about the importance of community. I think we're gonna see our students far less as individual cogs in our big machine of what we call band or orchestra or choir or modern band or whatever it is that we're teaching and more as individuals that we need to connect with first and then we make music together, because that's what our students are telling us. One of our students the other day reflected on, um, this may be a tangent you don't want to put in the podcast, but um, they reflected that they had a very shy student at the middle school and this particular uh, college student is gonna get married soon 
And they were telling, you know, it came up in their lesson. And so the middle school student out of nowhere, who's incredibly shy, started talking about how they wanted to be the flower girl. And the next thing you know, I'm getting a call from Cheyenne over at the middle school or a note from Cheyenne that says, hey, is it true that my student's going to be a flower girl at your student's wedding? I mean, that sort of connection, I don't know that that would have happened before. You know, this isolation is bad in a whole lot of ways, but it's sure making us reevaluate what's important. And I like that. That's pretty cool. Music in many ways is an escape, right? So that won't change. And if nothing else, maybe even gets enhanced as we're dealing with all of this, do you think? Oh, I think for sure. You know, someday, if it happens pretty quickly, I'd love to get all of these students that we've been teaching and all of the uh, college students who have been teaching them together in one room and do one big performance together of whatever they've been working on. And actually, you know, let them sit together, let them make music together and just enjoy each other's company. Because while it's been a great experience for them, I think we're still missing a lot of that, that in-person making music. It's important. It's an escape. It, you know, to me, at least, the arts make life worth living. And uh, I think that while we're, we're in this weird sort of limbo zone right now, it's going to mean a whole lot more to everybody when we can get out there and enjoy it again. How good will it feel to go to a concert hall and see a group of people just enjoying an experience, a musical experience, live together once again? I'll tell you what, I am just counting the moments until I can stand in front of concert band again. You might have heard it's already canceled again for next semester. We just couldn't make it work. But, you know, year to year, we've got like 120 musicians who just love sitting together and making music. They're not competing over it. This isn't a I'm the best trumpet player and you're not kind of situation. It's just enjoying doing it. So, yeah, I can't wait for that to happen again. I think it's going to mean a lot to all of us, even if you're not the one making the music. I can't wait to go and hear a great orchestra again. And uh, I think a lot of people are going to agree with me. I hope it happens soon. Thanks so much for uh, talking to us about the program. Sure thing. About 30 music education students at UMaine took part in the pilot program this fall. It'll be interesting to see where it all goes from here. That's it for this episode of The Main Question. Thanks for tuning us in. Send us a note if you have a question or comment at mainquestion at main.edu. All our episodes are available on Apple and Google Podcasts, Stitcher, SoundCloud, and Spotify. This is Ron Lisnett. We'll catch you next time on The Main Question.